0: And uh, I'm I'm thinking of uh, hitting uh, some more where we did running with the giants. Everybody kind of liked that one, so we may run with some more giants coming up. I'm I'm thinking of Samson. Uh, I went to the gym, so that's what made me think of Samson. You know what I mean? <clears throat> anyway, so this is the final series sermon series of of the series Love Reigns. We've been challenging ourselves to um, just allow the love of God to reign in our life, in every area of our life. The first week, we celebrated the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus on Easter, Good Friday and Easter. And uh, we call it Good Friday. It was a good day for us, bad day for Jesus, right? He got arrested, beaten, and killed. Uh, But we celebrated that because the resurrection proved that Jesus is who he said he was. Uh, You know, he, he could have said a lot of things, but had he stayed in that grave, He's just another religious leader that made some claims and died, but he got up, and at one point was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. Now, if, if you were building a case for something, you have 500 eyewitnesses, you're winning your case, you know, and, uh, and so we celebrated that, and, and when we obey Jesus, we'll experience the life that he has for us. The second week, we looked at how God's love reigns over our past, how he can take our past hurts, our past mistakes. He can forgive those when we confess them to Him, and He can wipe our slate clean and, and not just give us a second chance, but give us a fresh start. Anybody besides me glad you got a fresh start? And, uh, and so some of y'all aren't glad enough. I mean, you need to raise your hands up. I'm glad for that fresh start. Last week, we discovered that God's love reigns, uh, that it, it reigns in us and gives us promise for our present. He can take those old destructive patterns. Anybody? Besides me, you got bad habits, right? Well, he can take those old patterns, those bad habits, and as we relinquish those to him and allow him to renew our minds, he gives us healthy patterns that will help us live the kind of life in obedience to God that he wants us to live. And I've found over my lifetime when I do that, life works better. I'm happier. I have more peace. This week we're going we're gonna to talk about allowing the love of God to reign in and over our future. And uh, and so we're going to look at that. How many of y'all remember this little game here? Should be yeah, there it is. Uh, anybody? Yes, yeah, some of y'all had one of those, right? I think I was in maybe in the youth group one time when they passed it around, you know. And and so you you know it's magic eight ball, and uh, and so uh, man, those were the hot thing, you know, a long time ago. But um, but you know you'd, you'd ask it all sorts of questions, right? And it would come up with an answer. And, and you're little, you're thinking, you know, it's going to give me an answer to, to the future because we all want to know what's going to happen, right? 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 Everybody wants to know what's going to happen. So you'd ask it something like, um, is Darlene going to like me? And it would say, maybe. It's like, what's up with that? You know, maybe that doesn't tell me anything. I'm not going to write her a note if, if it's just a maybe. Or you'd ask, you know, am I going to pass this test? And it will say something like, better not tell you now. It's like I need to know now, you know. I mean, you see this picture's got all the responses. They looked bigger on my computer screen for some reason. You can't read that, but uh, you can go back and look at it and enlarge it if you want to see the answers. But but that little toy just kind of illustrates in a fun way. We all want to know what the future holds, right? I mean you've got you've got the horoscopes or people reading those in the newspaper. I, I told somebody what my birthday was. And they said, Oh, you're a whatever, you know, and it's like Man, I ain't heard anybody talk about that stuff in a long time, you know, but that's kind of a predictor, you know, or whatever people think. And, and then, uh, or, or, you know, there's a, there's a palm reader on 4th Street. Man, I pray against that thing every time I drive past them on 4th Street, not far from where I live. And, and then in the corner, what do you have? you got tarot card readers. Why would people pay some scam artist on Bourbon Street or off of Decatur Street to read their palms? Because they want to know what's going on in the future. I think maybe one day we need to go down there and put a table down there and say, we will pray for you for free. We don't, you know, I mean, we don't know what the future holds, but we know the one that holds the future. And, uh, but people want to know what the future is. And, and, uh, and so it's easy to, to allow that curiosity about what's going to happen to slide into an unhealthy obsession or worry. See, we, we get to worrying because maybe we're in a painful situation or we're, or we're wondering what's going to happen in the future because we're excited about what might happen, you know. Uh, things are looking good. But, but uh, that first blank, I know you all all looking at that first blank, wondering what it is. Here's one I want you to write. I want you to, to take that and write down one worry that you have about your future. One worry. Don't let anybody see it. It's not, not, not to share. That's why I put it in your sermon notes, not on, a, on your connection card. One worry that you have. We're going to deal with that a little bit later in this message while you're writing that, I want to tell you worry is an all-consuming use of your time a use of your energy and attention on things that you absolutely cannot control that's what worry is we worry about our finances we worry about our family we worry about our job we worry about getting sick I mean this past year with this pandemic people have been worried to death about their health now I'm not saying we don't need to be careful I wear a mask when I'm out and about you know around people and stuff still even though I've had the, had the virus and been vaccinated, you know. But, uh, but people have been worried. I've run into people that didn't even come out of their house for almost a year because they were worried about catching the I see people walking on the levee with a mask on. I'm going, what? It's like it's not blowing in the air. It might be blowing out of somebody's mouth, but, it, you know. But people are worried about, about sickness. We're worried about everything. Some people, just admit it, some of y'all are professional worriers, you know, and, uh, and so we worry. And uh, the problem is that worrying doesn't do one good thing about our situation at all. And uh, so right, you know, the only true way to cure this sickness of worry is to trust in the love of God and let it rule in our lives. You've got to trust that God loves you and that He loves you more than the situations that you're facing and that He's going to help you and let it rule in your life. So I want us to look at what Jesus, we're going to look at this passage in Matthew 6 Jesus is talking about it and addressing worry. I think he's a pretty good authority on that. He said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now, just stop right there. Jesus is saying, don't worry about everyday life. What's that mean? Don't worry about what you're eating for breakfast in the morning. There's going to be something in there, right? You know, don't worry about, you know, I was talking to my little brother, and, and their power went out. He said, man, I was so looking forward to that eggs and bacon. But, you know... uh, Bowl of cereal worked, you know. But there's go so don't worry. He said, don't worry about your everyday life, what your work is going to be. And I'm talking about worrying. I'm not talking about planning. I'm talking about worrying. He said, he gives an example. Don't worry about it whether you have enough food or drink or even enough clothes to wear. He said, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? And, and so he's, he's, he's talking about that. Then he gives this example of the birds. He said, look, the birds, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns yet your heavenly Father feeds them. We were walking along the lakefront yesterday, and there's this blue-looking bird with a white tail and a white chest, and he was puffed out. He must have been a girl bird somewhere around. But, I mean, he was puffed out trying to look all, all man-like, you know, but it was a beautiful bird. God feeds him. He's not starving to death. And then Jesus said this, Aren't you far more valuable to God than that bird? There, there are people on, in this planet that don't think you are, but you are. You see, every, every day of creation, God said it's good. When he created man and woman, he said it's very good, very good. You see, you're special of all creation. And he said, and Jesus is saying, aren't you far more valuable to God than they are? Then he says this, can, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Well, each of those has an implied answer. So I want us to look at that as we go through. One thing this passage shows us as well is that uh, we're is kind of second nature to human beings, right? Some of y'all, it's first nature, I, and we know who you are. And, uh, and so, but write this down. God sees you right where you are. God sees you right where you are. I mean, it doesn't matter where you are either. Some of y'all, it may scare you if you're where you don't need to be. Uh, but understand, God sees you right where you are. Whatever you're going through right now, God sees you where you are. And Jesus tells us, don't worry about our life. Don't worry about your daily needs. Don't worry about your, even your daily wants. And the reason he gives is God's going to take care of you. And he gives an example of the birds, of how he takes care of the birds. He said, if I can meet their needs, I'm going to meet your needs. And, and so he, he shows that as proof that he will provide for us. And, uh, and so write this down. If God takes care of the sparrows of the world, surely he can take care of you. He can take care of you. We gotta, we've got to get that into our minds and, and, and into our hearts. It, Jesus is reminding you of your incredible worth to God. God, Jesus didn't come and die on a cross for the birds. He died on a cross for you and me, and uh, and so we're loved by God, and therefore He is going to provide for us today, tomorrow, and the next day. So our future's in good hands when our future is under God's control. And listen to me, we've got to allow ourselves to trade what we don't know about the future for what we do know about the love of God. That was that, I'm preaching better than y'all are amen, and that was a good statement. Let me say it again. <laughs> we must allow ourselves to trade what we don't know about our future for what we do know about the love God has for us. And so where is this not worth it? I mean, it's not worth it. It's not going to change anything. Uh, it, it's not going to... It's not going to add any hours to your life. If anything, worry is going to take hours from your life. And so it reminds me of a a line in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, You know, how many of y'all grew up praying Our Father? I did. I mean, we would pray that every church service, you know. And one line in there, it says this, Give us this day our daily bread. You see, that, that Jesus was saying, Don't pray about what you need for tomorrow or the next day. Pray for today. That's kind of like where the Israelites, remember when they were going through the wilderness to the promised land? God gave them manna. He said, Don't save it. And the ones that did, it was rotten the next day because he wanted them to trust him for each day. God wants you and I to trust him for each day. So he says, You know, give us our, our daily bread. Don't give me too much because what happens when things are going good, right? We, we stop praying. We stop going to church. We stop reading our Bible. All that kind of stuff. God's just kind of a back burner. And then something bad happens. Oh, God. You know, he said, Give us our daily bread. And if he doesn't give us enough, we're going to try and fix it on our own, right? And this, this isn't a message about not working, uh, but it's about worry. Uh, you know, trusting God for the future instills a deep hope. When you can trust God for your future, you can have hope that he's been there before we get there. I've got a sign in the rest, in our guest bathroom that says, fear not tomorrow, God is already there. And, and God is there already, and we've got, to, we've got to get that in our mind that, I'm not walking on the frontier, you know. Star Trek, they used to have, you know, space, you know. And there's a going where nobody's ever been. Well, God's already been there. He created it. He's already been there. And, uh, how, you know, how, I'm not going to ask you. I started saying, how many of y'all like talk radio? I'm a talk radio junkie, have been for years. And uh, But this last year, talk radio has been so terrible, you know. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you listen to WWL and, I mean, you're wanting to road rage somebody just about. You get so mad listening to what's going on. So I had to switch it. Life songs, uh, K-Love. So now I'm jamming to some worship songs instead of, you know, to politics while I'm driving down the road. And, uh, and here's what I've had to remind myself. God's got this. Look what Jeremiah, what God says in, in Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you. Just stop right there for a minute. God has a plan for each one of you. When you were born, God had a plan. He had a preferred future for you that he wants you to live into. And and so a lot of times, a lot of people say, hey, I don't want to go live for God because he's going to make me do something I don't want to do. He's going to make me go to China as a missionary. He's going to make... One set of friends I have said, he might make me come to New Orleans as a missionary. I mean, it's like, you know, know, he's going to make... He's not. Look at the rest of this verse. He said, the plans, they are plans for good. See, God wants good things in our lives. And, and plan not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. See, he's got that preferred future he wants you to live into. He wants you and me to walk in that. And, it, and when we, we experience that, when we stop trying to control our lives and allow him to control our lives. So we just, when we worship, we throw our hands up. We surrender to God. And, and that's what we're doing. You allow him to take control and uh and if you don't what happens is you get you become fearful and worrisome, and you can be paralyzed by fear so the question how do you know when opportunities in the future are in god's plan or not? Anybody ever wonder that? How do I know is this god's plan number one, write this down: does the opportunity align with scripture? Does the opportunity violate any scriptural principles? you know i mean it it uh you know if somebody's wanting me to uh, you, you know, well, they're not wanting me to, but you may be somebody hearing my voice may be thinking, well, maybe I should be a pimp. No, that violating a bunch of scriptural principles, all right, and commands. Uh, you know, is 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 the choice I'm making violating a scriptural principle, and and it may change you from a direction that the Word of God has you moving in. I know people that have turned down jobs because. The job they were looking at was going to take them out of church, away from the people of God, and they needed that to stay straight from drugs. And so is it moving you? If if it is, if it's violating the scriptural principle or taking you away from the Word of God in any way, then maybe that's not part of God's plan for you, for your life. Uh, another question is this. Will this opportunity make me more like Jesus? I mean, will it make you more like Jesus? And and so that's a, that's a question is, is what I'm thinking about doing, is this decision I'm going to make, this job I'm going to take, or whatever I'm fixing to do, is this going to make me more like Jesus or make me less like Jesus? If it's going to make me more like Jesus, then maybe it is part of God's plan for me. If, if it's going to make me less like Jesus, I'll give you an example. And, and I, I've, I've never been a big fan of Mardi Gras, but some people don't like Mardi Gras because they think you're worshiping an idol or something. I don't get into all that. I don't like Mardi Gras because there's just drunks everywhere, and uh, but we're out at a parade, and and I, I quit going not because there were drunks everywhere, but because out on the parade route it makes me less like Jesus. Makes me there I can remember one time there's a guy that was be running and he was following floats and he's knocking children down, and I'm like I'm not thinking Jesus thoughts towards him, and so he's running and I just went boop and bumped him, bounced him off the float. I know y'all are thinking bad about me now. <laughs> Bounce him off the float. He got up and punched this big guy right over here who ended up hitting him so hard he did two somersaults backwards. And it's like, okay, time to go. All right, Lord, I'm sorry because I'm not being Christ-like out here, okay? You know, and, uh, and so, you know, I guess that's the advantage of being a little guy. He didn't think I could knock him into the float. You know, I don't know. But, but is it going to make me more Christ-like? So it's probably not God's will for me to go to... Go to parades or something because it brings out, you know, the beast in me, you know, and, uh, and stuff like that. So another question would be, will this opportunity benefit others? didn't benefit the guy I beat off the float, but I mean, you know. Will, will this decision result in somebody being blessed? See, God uses us to bless other people. He'll bless you and me to bless others. And so is this gonna, opportunity going to benefit other people? See, to discover God's plan for your future is to live into the purpose for which you were born. And uh, that's the future we want to experience, right? I love this quote from Mark Twain. It says this, The two most important days of your life are the day when you're born and the day when you find out why. Isn't that cool? The day you were born, that's pretty important. And the day you find out why. And that's when you find God's purpose for your life. So your future is tied to your purpose and God's plan for your life. So know that God sees you wherever you are. He hasn't abandoned you. He's right there with you. Number two, write this down. Because of that, we've got to seek God first, and everything else is going to fall into place. And we seek God first and everything. Jesus is showing us the way here. He's, he's showing, hey, look, if you, you, your future falls into line with my will for you, everything's going to go well. It's about priority. And so look what he says. He's saying in verse 28 of chapter 6, we don't have to be nervous about the future. He said, and why worry about your clothing, look at the lilies in the fields and how they grow. Some people don't worry about their clothing. Maybe they should be concerned. I mean, I keep thinking I never should have thrown away my worn-out jeans with holes in them. I could have sold them for twice what I paid for them. Uh, But, uh, you know, but don't worry about your clothing. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make, make their clothing, yet Solomon, the richest guy to ever live, And all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And here's the key. Look at verse 30. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. In other words, if he cares about nature, think how much more he cares about you and me, his special creation, who are created in his image. Then he says, why do you have so little faith? He says, why do you keep worrying about this stuff? I'm going to take care of you. I mean, Jesus was a regular meal's on wheels. I mean, you know, he'd be walking along. Okay, two fish, a couple of loaves of bread. All right, feed 10,000 people. You know, 5,000 men, a bunch of women and children. You know, I mean, he he said, I'm going to take care of your needs. And he he said, look at all these, look at nature. It's going to happen. And and he said, so don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? What are we going to do at work today? Are we going to have enough business He said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. you know God already knows your needs? Underline that on your notes. God already knows your needs. And because he already knows your needs, Jesus makes this next statement. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. See, because God already knows our needs, if I press into God who already knows what I need, already knows what I want, already knows what's going on in my life, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And that trips some people up. Some people think, oh, it means I've got to be perfect. Here's, I want you to repeat something very important after me. I'm not perfect. Never will be. All right, but living righteously means you're trying your best to follow Christ. That means, when are you going to fail? You bet you're going to fail. You probably failed this afternoon. I might fail. I'm, I'm going to be driving for five hours. And you all know I have this penchant for driving fast. You know what I mean? So, you know, we're going to fail. But what do we do? We repent and turn back to God. When you, when you fail at something, when you fall, you keep. that's why David, who killed people who had affairs with their wife and then killed the husband, did not get any worse than that. God called him a man after my own heart. Why? Because he repented. We've got to keep turning back to God. And he said, so when you seek God above all else, Live as righteous. live for God as best you can, which means you keep turning your life back to the Lord. You confess your sins when you do it. What's it say next? He will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. So you need to underline that in your scripture. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't get ahead of me back there, guys. So he's saying right here, seek first the kingdom of God. And that that needs to be the priority of our life. That needs to be the priority of our life. But too often we put popularity. We put our uh, getting enough likes on social media. I mean, some people, if they don't get enough likes on something on social media, they really get disturbed. <laughs> you know? We have road rage, but there's media rage going on too. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's like... You know, we worry about all that kind of stuff. We put finding true love above my relationship with God or whatever. And None of that's bad. It's not bad that you put something on social media and people like it, unless you put something stupid on there. Don't Listen, don't put anything inflammatory on your social media page and say you're part of River Church, please. Don't. You, you, I mean, name something else. Don't even name a church. Don't put inflammatory statements on you. Put, put about what God's doing in your life on there. But, um, but, you know, we need to... Here's the thing. Jesus said if we'll seek God first, everything else is going to fall into place. And so w- that means when you're seeking Him first, your relationships are going to fall... In. When, when you put the relationship ahead of God, it's going to go bad on you. But when you put God first, that relationship is going to fall into place. When you, when you put God first, your j- things at work are going to fall into place. When God is first in your life, everything is going to begin to fall into place. And, uh, and, and, and so even your desires will become desires that are more like what God would want for you. But you've got to put Him first in every area of your life. I, I used to, uh, years ago, I went through a Stephen Covey course. And he talks about big rocks and little rocks. And you see the jar up there. And, uh, and, and he'll do this exercise. And he'll pour sand from one jar into another. Fills the jar up. Now there's no room for the rocks. But if you put those rocks in there first, you can pour most of the sand from the other jar and, and fill up the jar. And and it's the principle of putting the important things first. So spiritually, in my life, what's important? Well, first, my relationship with Jesus. That's going in that jar. That's got to be the preeminent thing that I'm putting there. It's about priorities. What's your priority? Is it to honor Jesus today? Yes, it is. It's going in the jar. Uh, you know, maybe... Maybe, uh, you know, another thing for me is Bible study. Reading the Bible, putting that in there. That's so why we almost give away those one-year Bibles. We pay the same exact thing. Uh, we pay for them, so we, we eat the tax. And so if you don't have one, we have more. You need to be reading the Word of God every day. It's important. And, uh, and, and so maybe another one is worship, praising God. Some of you all thinking, don't we do that on Wednesdays and Sundays? Well, you do it in your private time. That's why the First 15 app is good. It even has the songs. You can, it's got the words on there. You can sing with it. You know, you can, you can sing along. And so you put worship in there, maybe prayer in there, maybe tithing. That's one I put in there, tithing. That's important to me and my wife is to be good givers because that's just been instilled. I'm going to show another video pretty soon to my mama, and you see where I, why I get it because she just loved to give. She'd get mad when she'd miss something and didn't get to support something at her church. And and all, and, and maybe family would be another one you put in there. You put those big things in that God wants you to put in there, and guess what? All those little things are going to fit. Ball games. All that stuff will fit. And uh, once you put those big things in. So don't, Jesus said, don't worry about your future. Put it in God's hand. Keep your priorities right. And, uh, and then uh, he says this. Use your time wisely. Use your time wisely. Saying this to myself again, use your time wisely. It's easy to get caught up with little things that aren't important. We all have just so many days, and God wants us to spend those days well. Look what Psalms 90, verse 12 says: "Teach us to number our days." Y'all do know, know that there's a number of days that you and I are going to live, and we've got and, and what he says so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. God wants us to use the time we have here wisely. That doesn't mean that every day has got to be a home run. That doesn't mean I'm not putting the pressure on you to say, hey, if you run into somebody today, you've got to lead them to faith in Christ. You've got to do this. I'm not saying that. But every day is important. So live it for the Lord. Live it for the Lord. I came across a Newsweek uh, study and um, it talks about how we spend our time. I thought you might like this. So you can see that we, we spend six months sitting at stoplights, at red lights. Now, if you go through that intersection at Manhattan and the expressway, add a month. <coughs> that is the longest light. And, and Lafayette's about as bad. I mean, we spend eight months opening junk mail. Seems like we spent eight months opening election junk mail. I mean, it's, it's like, man, it's, I'm so glad we're past all that now. Eight months opening junk mail. We spend one year looking for misplaced objects. Now, Apple has a solution for you. They got these little tags you can put in your purse. And if you lose your purse, you can use your phone to find your purse. But if you lose your phone, I don't know what you're going to do. But, I mean, but, you know, these little tags you can put on your keys or whatever. You know, and how many of you, oh, I'm not going to ask. You've lost your keys. You've, as soon as I make fun of somebody for losing their keys, I'll misplace mine. But, uh, you know, but we spend time doing that. I mean, one year looking for misplaced options. We spend two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. Anybody ever feel like you just spend time leaving messages? And, you know, please, if you call me, leave a message. I got people calling, don't leave messages, and this is like, drives me crazy. But anyway, uh, two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. Four years doing housework. Husbands, do not elbow anybody. Should be 20 years. Feels like 20 years, doesn't it? Four years doing housework. Five years waiting in line. Unless you go to Chick-fil-A, then add another year. There's always a line at Chick-fil-A, right? Let me just give you a secret. There's a little app you can get. You can do it, and you just pull right in there, in five minutes they bring it out, you wave at the people in line at the drive-up. I love doing that. So four year, uh, five years waiting in line. Six years eating. Unless, of course, you go to River Church, then add a year. you all the eatingest people I've ever seen. Listen, as you live your life, it's important... To ask yourself, are the places that I'm spending my time and my energy and my attention and my affection, are the places I'm spending all that important or not? So we need to, we need to, we need to ask ourselves that question. Because here's the thing the only thing that's going to matter a hundred years from now is what? Whether or not you knew Jesus. That's the only thing. And I believe that's why, and that's why I keep talking about it. God has given us the the mission to keep sharing that with people. To keep sharing that with people. So that we can bring as many people with us as possible. And, uh, and so, like the psalmist said, we need, Lord, teach us to number our days, to keep our priorities right, to put God first, to live our best for Him, and He will take care of the rest. If we just do those, those things. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your note where you wrote that one thing you worry about. Christy's going to come play softly before we sing another song. And um, I want you to write out, take a minute to write a prayer about what you're worried about so that you can turn it into worship, an area of worship. Just write that down. Just jot it down. You don't have to write a paragraph. Just jot down. Maybe you might even ask God how you can spend your time better honor him but but take a minute write that prayer out about up there where you had your worry what's the prayer What, what would you have God do for that it's real short so you thought you'd just come and listen you gotta participate write that down give that to the Lord He'll turn it from a worry into an area of worship. If you're here today and or you're hearing my voice on, online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to have that relationship. A lot of people think it's about rules. It's about religion. It's really just a relationship with a living, risen Savior. You know, when I received Christ, it felt good you know there's a i got a birthday